Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Just a little bit of uh, housekeeping before we move forward. When we come to Holy Communion, there are a couple of things you need to remember. And one is, is that you don't have to remember anything. Uh, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of any church. Um, this table is Jesus' table. It's not mine. It's not anybody else's but his. And he invites everybody who's willing to take a look inside for a minute and say, you know, Jesus has something I need that I don't have, and I'm willing to come and receive that. That's, that's it. Come with joy. Come with expectancy of being changed when you leave this table. Now, there will be four stations. When I say come to the table, there will be a station here, and someone will have a loaf of bread, and they'll take a little pinch and drop it in your hand, and you'll eat the bread, and you'll get a little cup of juice. There will be a station here, and here, and here, and there. Um, and so, you know, you kind of roughly come out this side of the section you're on, and Go back on that side of the section you're in and should work out. Find us. Remember everything you learned in kindergarten. Don't push. Don't shove. Jesus uh, multiplied the loaves and fishes. We can multiply bread and juice if we need to. We've got it. And wherever you are uh, online, uh, a little sip of something, a little nibble of something, and you're right here with us. Uh, That's the beauty about Holy Communion. There's this mystery of the Holy Spirit that binds us all together somehow no matter where we are as the body of Christ. And there's a lot of mystery about the Holy Spirit. Um, And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is to give us words and to give us a sense of how to approach a situation whenever we're not sure, particularly if we have an opportunity to direct someone toward Jesus who is standing there with arms open that they may never have uh, uh, started a relationship with along the way. And it can happen uh, in any situation, uh, you know, I, I'm, I was blessed to be able to go to seminary and I learned a lot of ologies, you know, Christology and soteriology and the ecclesiology and theology and all that stuff. And it's all good. And sometimes it comes to the surface and you use it. But, but what I found one day when I was coming back from, actually when I'd gotten back from seminary and went to make a call, I was serving a church at the time, uh, I found that sometimes all of that stuff melds sort of into the background when the Holy Spirit steps in and directs. When I, was, uh, when I was serving, when I was in seminary, I served a different church. It wasn't this one. It was much smaller, but it was a very active church. And we had a couple that had a little girl, and she was about three years old, and she had some issues from birth, uh, and she wasn't going to live a long time, but uh, they thought she was going to live longer than she did. Um, and so I got a call while I was there in, in Atlanta. I used to go to Atlanta every week, and I would spend three nights there going to school, and then I would come back and reintroduce myself to my wife, Lynn, and our kids and, and try to be a pastor of a church. Uh, but I got a call, and, and the little girl was, was near death. So I came straight from, from school uh, and went to the hospital. Actually, this was in uh, Lenore City. And um, the mom was there. 
And I spoke with her and I said, you know, tell me how things are going. And she did. And, and the little girl, they, they, were, they came to church not regularly. And I wasn't sure what their, what their background was necessarily. But it became very clear what was on the mom's mind. Uh, after she had told me about the, the diagnosis, the prognosis, and that probably was a matter of hours or maybe two or three days before their little girl would go on, she asked me a question. There was a pause in our conversation by the bedside, and she said, and she called her name, and I won't, but, but she said, is she okay? Well, I knew she wasn't asking me a medical question, uh, and it was as if, and I've never heard the audible voice of God, and I don't claim to have ever heard that, but there are times when you just get a sense about something that wasn't there before. And when she asked me that question, I knew very clearly what she was asking me. And I said, you know what? She is okay as anybody has ever been. I know what you're asking me, and yes, she, it doesn't, whether she was baptized as a baby, it doesn't matter. Uh, not that that doesn't matter, but in this case, it's not our, it doesn't save us, you know? And I said, little ones, little ones are as saved as saved can be. And I guarantee you right now, and, and one of the reasons I told that story is I thought about this song earlier in the week, and I love that, about the angels uh, hovering around us, and I guarantee you there were angels in that hospital room that night, and I said, your little girl is going to be carried into the waiting arms of Jesus. Yes, yes, absolutely. But after I told her that, it was, it was clear that that wasn't all of the answer she was looking for. And again, as if someone had cue cards in front of me, to re and someone actually did, not in front of me, but the Holy Spirit was so obviously there in that moment. And, and it, was, it was not an out-of-body experience, but the next thing I said, it was almost like, I, I don't understand why I'm saying these words, but... But after she'd asked me that question, I looked at her and I said, are you okay? And she knew exactly what I meant. I wasn't asking, are you getting some rest? Are you, have you had anything to eat? And she said, well, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I think maybe I was baptized as a baby. And, and I said, so if, have you ever established a relationship with Jesus? If you ever just prayed a prayer and said, Jesus, I would really like to be a part of your life more deeply. I would like for you to be a part of mine. I would like for you to take my sin away and let me be with you forever beginning right now. And she said, I, I, don't, I don't think so. And I said, well, it seems like this might be the perfect time to do that. And it was as if she was, had been waiting since I walked in the room for me to say that because she just almost like, oh, thank goodness, that's what I wanted more than anything because she wanted to make sure that she was going to be with her little girl in heaven one day. And I talked to her about how God would tend to her now that, you know, that, that, that our eternal life starts now. We're, we're already living it. And so we bowed our heads and I led her through a very simple prayer and she accepted Christ right then and there. And another reason I wanted to sing that song is because it talks about, I see his countenance 
on your face? And when we opened our eyes and I looked at her, her face was changed. It was different. It wasn't glowing, but, but it was relaxed. It was as if finally this question that had been on her mind for so long had been answered. This thing that she needed to do was done. And she just relaxed. And it was so beautiful. And it was all because I let, you know, and, and, and seminary is wonderful. And all those ologies, theology, Christology, soteriology, which is just a study of how God saves us, and ecclesiology, study of the church, and all of those ologies are important. But in that moment, I just needed to let the Holy Spirit guide a simple conversation. And the Holy Spirit did. And the Holy Spirit will do the same thing with you and me. Because the Holy Spirit can turn a moment in time into a timeless moment. And you don't have to be a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or a guitar player or an organist or a drummer or whatever. You don't have to, all you need is to allow the Spirit to speak, to be attentive to that, and just share yourself with someone. That's what, you know, evangelism is a word that's just gotten so freighted over the years. And, and it's just as, it's as simple, and well, it's like one great theologian once said, it's one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And I think that's pretty good. You know, we're all sinners. We all need a relationship with Christ. And if we can help that along with someone else, not only will it make us feel really good, but get ready, here comes the pitch. It's our job. I'm going to read a little passage of scripture. I'm going to read two to you, but let me read this one first. This is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. If you ever wonder about when, when we are saved from our sin and we're made a part of the church, what is that all about? Is that, that just getting me into heaven, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it does, but that is just one piece of the deal. You know, we, we live in the presence of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's... All the time. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the real-time presence of God that we can interact with anytime we want to. But he has stuff he needs us to do. Here's, here's, here's what the church is here for. And, and yeah, we need to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and give water to the thirsty and, and comfort those who are alone. We need to do all those things. But when Jesus was just about to be raised back to heaven after his crucifixion and resurrection, he was with his disciples, people like you and me. We happen to know their names because they're in the Bible, but there were lots of them. And he was with that particular group, and here's what he told them. This is just before he went to heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. See, that's, that's not just for the preachers and the Sunday school teachers. That's for all of us. We're all disciples, and we all have a stake in that. That's what our church is trying to do is make disciples. When I became senior pastor eight years ago, you know, you, you always get that question, what's your vision for our church? And I told everybody that would listen, starting with our staff at the very first staff meeting, I'm going to defer to Jesus' vision for his church. And Jesus' vision is that we go and make disciples. That begins with a profession of faith, a baptism, that's the start, but that's just the start. If all we do is, is celebrate 
uh, uh, someone raising their hand in a revival or going through a confirmation class or whatever, and they receive Christ and they're baptized, hallelujah. But if that's all we do, it would be the same as, as being in the delivery room and a baby is born and the doctors and nurses all high-five each other and go out and have lunch. And the poor little baby's laying there on the scales, hungry and cold. No, someone has to nurture them and help them grow up. And that's our job. We all have a stake in that. But we all have a stake in that first piece too. And that's helping people come to that place. So if that makes your, if that makes your knees tight and your knuckles sort of uh, white and your palms sweaty, don't. Don't feel that way because we, this, this can be just as natural as any conversation you have with anybody. The Holy Spirit connects us with the wisdom of all of heaven. We talked about that. We've talked about how the Spirit connects us with God, how the Spirit gives us wisdom beyond anything we know, helps us connect dots in, in conversations, and, and wisdom for our own life and for, other li- and for others' lives, uh, gives us that impulse to go serve. It gives us encouragement, which we talked about last week and today, empowers us to witness in the world on behalf of Jesus. And if this church is to continue to be, and I know it's going to be, the church it's been, uh, where people come and they hear the good news and they become disciples, it's up to all of us to be a part of that. Now, um, let me tell you a story. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you a story from the book of Acts. It's my favorite story from Acts. And, and it is this beautiful example of what happens when someone opens themselves up to the power of the Holy Spirit, how then they can become a part of somebody's life and help them to find Jesus. This is a wonderful story. And I'm not going to put the words up on the screen. I want you to use your imagination. And I'm going to stop. Think of it. Think of this sermon as like the life application Bible, you know, where you've got the scripture in the middle and then on the margins, you've got some commentary. That's what I'm going to give. That's what I want to read this scripture because there's just wonderful information here that we may or may not know that can really unlock the deeper meaning. So this is from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Famously, it's called Philip, who was a disciple, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And you're going, the the what? The eunuch? I thought that was a town in Wisconsin somewhere. You know, it's no, it's not. It may be, but but it's, it's more than that. So let me, let me set this up. Philip is a disciple. He had been just prior to this, he had been in Samaria. Now, that's like a Vol fan going and hanging out in Gainesville, Florida. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's like you're going into the belly of the beast. If you're Jew, if you're a Jew and you go into Samaria, you got to understand the Samaritans hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. And we don't have time to go into all that baggage as to why. We Stop me sometime and I'll give you the, the five-minute version of it. But just trust me, it's true. So Philip has been in Samaria and there he's been preaching the good news and people have been coming to Christ. So he's out following the will of God and he's trying to help make disciples of Jesus Christ. So he's there and that's where this picks up. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, and you know, we, the angel of the Lord Holy Spirit, it's, it's, a, it's this messenger of God. Don't get hung up on, on that part of it. Uh, I think angels are all around as well, but usually it's the Holy Spirit who speaks to us. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south on the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza is where it is now, the Gaza Strip. You may 
may have heard of that in the news uh, almost every day. There's a lot of trouble there. But they were, he wanted him to go from Jerusalem down to Gaza because he knew there was someone who would be on that road that he wanted, uh, that the Holy Spirit wanted Philip to talk to. So, so, so he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. All right. Time out. Ethiopian eunuch. What does that mean? Well, one, he was from Ethiopia, which is uh, south of of Egypt. It's a part of Africa. We would say today, Nubia, I think it was called then. And so this would have been uh, someone with with black skin, uh, lived in a place where where everyone uh, had black skin, and and a eunuch, okay? Okay, let me say this as diplomatically as I can. A eunuch would imply someone who either is unable or unwilling to be sexually active. And yes, in those days, sometimes people were surgically altered to be eunuchs so that they could serve in some king or queen's court, particularly a queen's court. For a man to serve in a queen's court, um, that took the risk away, if, if if you know what I'm saying. So, but don't get hung up on that because this man, even though he was a, he was a eunuch, he was a very important man. He, it says, let me move forward. It said he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. So this guy controlled the purse of this entire country. I mean, he was a big shot. And and yes, yes, he was, he, w- he had been physically altered most likely to take that job, but, but he was a person of great means and great prominence and authority in his part of the world. Now let's move on. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. What? What, 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 what? They, they didn't worship um, the, the God of the Jews in, in Ethiopia. But somehow he must have met someone along the way. Somehow he most likely, because the, the Jewish people scattered uh, at, that, at that time in history. Uh, there was a scattering of Jew, the diaspora, as it's called. And maybe he had met a Jew and maybe he'd heard about their God. And so they had said, yes, we worship in Jerusalem. Well, he'll just pop up to Jerusalem. It's 2,500 miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem in a chariot. Now, that was about as good a way as you could travel in those days. But you're talking about weeks to get there. But that's how much he wanted to go to Jerusalem and worship at the temple. This, is, this was how much he was seeking after God. So he did. He had gone to the temple. He wouldn't have been able to go in the temple. Because of, well, because he was, he was clearly an outsider uh, to those people. And he had been physically altered, which there's some law against him being able to enter the inner courts of the temple for that reason. So he was probably had to sit in the outer courts of the temple where anyone could go and overhear the scrolls and the Old Testament, the law, the Old Testament's all there was in those days, being read. That's how, that's how interested he was in having a relationship with this God. So he's done that. Apparently he stopped by the local Lifeway bookstore outside the temple and he had bought a scroll of Isaiah. Maybe the life application scroll. We don't know. Doesn't say that. That's in the nearly revised standard version. And we'll pick up on that later. So it says, um, it says that He had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. 
And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So the Spirit does that sometimes. We'll give you information on an as-need basis. Philip, just go. I'll explain later. And so Philip takes off. And apparently he's running down the road. I just love the, the idea of he's running down the road, you know. And this chariot's going down the road. And it probably has attendants and maybe a horses in front of the chariot. Again, this is a big shot. And, and so, so you can just see Philip kind of running along, you know, next to the chariot. So, what you doing? You know, and the guy says, well, you know, Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Or maybe said differently, are you okay? Philip asked, how can I, he said, the, the eunuch, unless someone explains it to me? Well, the door just swung wide open. And... He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is, this is where it gets really good. So he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah, and he's reading from a particular part that we call the suffering servant passage. You hear it, you hear it often during the Lenten period, which we're going to be rolling into unbelievably in only about two or three, two weeks or so uh, and as we move toward uh, Palm Sunday and Easter. And here's how it goes. He was, this is from Isaiah. He was, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. Now that's what the guy was reading. And so I believe Philip then being, being, mentored moment by moment by the Holy Spirit ought to handle this. It says, the the eunuch asked, please tell me who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And here's, and it doesn't say this, but here's how I think it went. A lamb a sheep before the slaughter, a lamb before its shearer, deprived of justice. And so, and so Peter star, uh, Philip starts pointing out, you hear anything familiar there? You're an outsider. You suffer humiliation in front of people that don't understand you and where you're from and, and the people where you, where you come from. And you can't go into the inner courts of the temple. You're depri- you're, it's injustice. And he starts, what, what Philip is doing, it's brilliant. He is showing that Ethiopian eunuch where his life narrative and the gospel narrative intersect. And I think in that moment, I think the eunuch goes, whoa, wait a minute. Jesus was like me. Jesus was an outsider. Jesus was kept from being around people. Jesus was misunderstood. Jesus was treated unjustly. He's just like me. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? All Philip showed him was where his life and Jesus' life crossed, and he realized 
this Jesus, he understands me. He knows my situation. And he wants me anyway. And they baptized him. Or Philip did. The Holy Spirit will alter the situation to create an altar opportunity. And he will do that with you and he will do that with me and he will help us in, in the conversations of our lives find ways to find that connecting point between someone's life and the gospel kingdom life, if you will. And it could be anywhere, it could be anytime. I, one of the most profound moments other than that one in that hospital room that day for me came at a barbecue and blues festival. Can I get an amen for barbecue and blues? I mean, come on. Lynn and I had gone to Indi uh, Indianapolis to see Buddy Guy and Joe Bonamassa, who's my favorite new blues guitar player. Uh, if you like blues guitar, check him out. That's that's side to point. But we'd gone to this barbecue and blues festival. And so we, I got seats right down by the stage. And so I'm standing there looking at the equipment. And I'm looking at these amps. And they've got, and Bonamassa has all these vintage amps. And so this guy walks up. And just some random guy walks up. And he said, man, that's some cool stuff, isn't it? And I said, yeah, look at that old JTM 45. It's an old Marshall amp. It's like the holy grail of amplifiers. And I would give my car for one if you could even find one. I said, yeah, Look at that, and he said, "Oh, do you do you do you play?" I said, "Oh yeah, I do." He said, "Where do you play?" And I'm like, "You just make this too easy sometimes." <laughs> church, really? You play at church? Yeah, yeah. I said, he said, "What do you do?" I said, "I'm a pastor." You're a pastor? Yeah. And in five minutes, he starts telling me about his life and how he's so disappointed in some decisions he had made years before. He was probably in his 30s. And, he, and, and so I'm like, really? And we're talking and he says, you want a beer? And I'm like, sure. So he goes and brings back the biggest Bud Light I've ever seen in my life. It looked like a can of motor oil. And it was hot. So we stood there at the stage and with this gigantic, and, and we stood there and I was like, you know, I mean, I, I, not, a, not a hot Bud Light, maybe something else we could get a little, but, but he, but, but we, you know, I sipped as best I could because it was the moment. This was the moment. And I wasn't going to blow it by going, well, I would really prefer to have a Sierra Nevada Pale Elf if they have that, you know, no, it's whatever they bring you. Not that I would know anything about that, but I... <laughs> I've heard of them. I heard that that's a, I've heard that's a thing. Remember, Jesus drank wine, okay? So anyway, so, so we're just standing there talking. And, and before you know it, he's, he's just unpacking his life. And I'm just, and I'm telling him, you know, well, you know, you, you, you would probably really enjoy finding, you need to find a church and I'd be glad to have, we, we didn't have a chance to talk too much longer than that because it was about time for the Joe Bonamassa to start. But I said, you should really find a church, find some place where you can worship and go and ask questions because I guarantee you, Jesus would love to be more a part of your life and all that stuff you talked about before. It doesn't, it's okay. I know you did it and you may, but, but Jesus is willing to go, ah, that was then, this is now. Let's move forward. And, you know, I don't, I don't know whatever happened to that. I don't know whatever happened to him. But here's the deal. What it did, that part is not my, my 
business and neither is it yours. And this is what lets the pressure off. Remember when Jesus was in Samaria once talking to a woman at a well and he he convinced, he didn't convince her, he just talked, he, again, he just talked to her about her life and she figured out who he was and she went back to her village in Samaria and said, I just met a man and I'm pretty sure he's the Messiah and they all came out and, and had a chance to hear from themselves. But the interesting thing about that passage is it said, and many were saved. Not all. It doesn't say the whole village was saved. Some were. Some weren't. And that was Jesus himself doing the witnessing. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to go, oh, what if they turn me down? What? That's not our business. Our business is to simply share what we know about who Jesus is in our own life and let people see where that intersects with their life. And when we do that, things change. The Holy Spirit translates our words into a transforming witness. And we don't have to know any ologies. All we have to do is share. Share how Jesus has entered our life and changed things, and they'll begin to see how he could enter their life. I gotta tell you about this as we get ready to come to the table. You're about to, I think, we're all about to have an opportunity to do a little more of this. Have you seen any of the videos called he gets us. Have you seen any, seen any of those? He gets us. This, this, these, are, these are videos about Jesus. And the whole campaign is you have anxiety. Um, you have conflict in your family. So did Jesus. Jesus had anxiety. Jesus was lonely. Jesus sometimes didn't have any place to sleep. Jesus sometimes didn't know where he was going to get his next meal. And the whole idea is he gets us because he's been us. And, and those are going to show up in the Super Bowl. This, this organization, it's not a church. It's not a parachurch organization. It's a bunch of people who are so committed to helping people find Jesus that they are committing millions and millions and millions of dollars to do so with absolutely no benefit to them other than kingdom benefit. Uh, and, and on their, I looked at their website. You can, you can Google, uh, he gets us and you'll take you to their website and you can see the videos or you can see them during the Super Bowl. But, you know, they say, we believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he lived and died, was resurrected and lives again. That's what we believe, but not everybody does. And so what we believe is not our starting point. Our starting point is that Jesus was one of us. He lived fully as a human being. Yes, he was God, but he lived fully as a human being, and he knows our hurts personally. He knows our hurts at ground zero. He's felt them, and he's not going to judge. What he's going to do is invite us to the table. I could tell you things about my life right now that would cause you to never look at me the same. I'm not necessarily proud of it, but it's true. But in real time, while I was doing all the things that I could tell you about that would cause you to never possibly look at me the same, God never looked away from me because he loved me that much. He loves you that much. And you can share that reality with someone else and change their today 
into an eternity. It starts at this table. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for these simple gifts of bread and juice. May they be for us, O God, the body and blood of Christ, that we may be the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.